Arms for a leper. Arms for a leper. Arms for an ex-leper. Arms for a podcaster. If you like this show, please go to sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot tumblr dot com. And look for the donate button. It's right there at the top. I'll, I'll just wait here while you go do that, okay? Hello? Heart of Darkness by Obsidia. Welcome to Sobcast. I am your host, Jeff, and I am a Sob, or Seeker of Veritas. Veritas meaning truth. This time in Edible Earth, GOP tells NASA heads to stick sand, and if it's yellow, it's mellow, or we could actually do something about it. Then, in cool shit, could pre-Columbian Amazonians save the world? Then, in not-not-noteworthy news, I don't even count them. Happy Mother's Day, let the interrogation begin. And then to finish the show, I'll talk about a Texas two-step, and even he should be able to see how dumb he looks, with a segment I call Darwin Weeps. And now it's time for Edible Earth. Don't frack my mother. Don't frack my mother. GOP tells NASA heads to stick sand. Rather than address or even face the impending issue surrounding climate change, the GOP has chosen instead to stick their fingers in their ears and their heads firmly up their asses for good measure. Not only do they want to simply ignore the problem, but they are trying to make it difficult for the rest of us to even know that it exists. Apparently, it's a peekaboo, out-of-sight, out-of-mind style of government. Last week, the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee, headed by Representative Lamar Smith, Republican from Texas, who could have guessed it would be a batshit crazy Republican from Texas? Anyways, Lamar approved a bill that would slash at least $300 million from NASA's Earth Science budget. Once again, by defunding NASA's Earth Science program, the GOP has willfully taken ignorance one giant leap for mankind. The bill essentially ensures not only that climate studies be ignored, but that potentially useful data won't even be collected. NASA, for its part, responded to the impending doom with howls of protests. Charles Bolden, the administrator of NASA and retired United States Marine Corps Major General and a former NASA astronaut. Boy, it's guys like this who make me feel like I haven't done shit with my life. Anyways, he issued a statement saying... The NASA authorization bill making its way through the House of Representatives guts our Earth science program and threatens to set back generations worth of progress in better understanding our changing climate and our ability to prepare for and respond to earthquakes, droughts, and storm events. NASA leads the world in exploration and study of planets, and none is more important than the one in which we live. That could throw some Republicans for a loop. You mean we live on a planet? Golly. Can you see it from Earth? Yes, you, you can see the planet we live on from Earth. Wow! Members of the GOP continue to deny that there is a problem. Some, like the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee Chairman James Inhofe, even made a mockery of the situation by tossing snowballs on the floor of the Senate as proof that the climate isn't changing. See, this is a mistake a lot of people make when they hear climate change. It's two degrees. I think so far, somewhere around two degrees, maybe one degree. But anyways, 
it has changed. It changes the climate over time in, in large, large degrees because it changes the beginning of spring and the end of winter and all that shit everywhere in between. So what that means is if it was going to be 30 degrees, it's now going to be 32 degrees, which means it can still fucking snow, you morons. Sorry. Back to the show. In an interview with Vice, Obama discussed how politics have made climate change one of the hardest problems to solve. Smith pointed out the idiotic stunt by Inhofe, which was meant to show how unreasonably cold it was in February, because it's never cold in February. Smith said throwing a snowball would be funny if it weren't the fact that he's the chairman of the Senate Committee on the Environment. And he's somebody who doesn't believe in protecting the environment, and he's Senate Committee on the Environment chairman. That's ridiculous. Apparently, Obama agrees. Obama said, that's disturbing. Obama also suggested that Congress is slow to act because of campaign donations. Big business. Bought your ass off. In some cases, you have elected officials who are shills for the oil companies or fossil fuel industries. And there's a lot of money involved, Obama said, adding that committees that oversee energy policies are typically populated by folks from areas that pump a lot of oil and a lot of gas. My awful Obama impersonation. In the meantime, places like Florida are seeing rising... Oh, great, Florida. Florida are seeing rising seas that threaten local homes, businesses, and the economy, while Governor Rick Scott, asshole, is doing absolutely nothing. In fact, he's actually made it more difficult to even discuss climate change in the state, barring anyone who works for the state from mentioning it. So, once again, it's the peekaboo, out of sight, out of mind, hear no evil, see no evil, but do lots of evil style of Republican government. Because the Republicans are for a small government. Just small enough to stick it up your ass. Despite warnings from water experts and climate scientists about risks to the cities and the city's drinking water, skepticism over sea level projections and climate change science has hampered planning efforts at all levels of government. Florida's environmental agency under Scott has been downsized and retooled. An interesting, a tool that retools, making them less effective at coordinating sea level rise planning in the state. Well, what the fuck does he care? He probably won't even be governor by that time. He'll be working for some oil company making, you know, millions of dollars. Back in Texas, Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson pointed out, Earth science, of course, includes climate science. Representative Smith claims that the White House's NASA budget request favored the Earth sciences at the expense of other science divisions and human and robotic space exploration. Johnson went on to say, That actually makes perfect sense considering that the impending looming disaster might need to be examined a little more closely. You may very well want to increase funding into that area. It's like saying you're not going to put out a fire at a particular house because you want to keep the other ones moist. Um, I say it's more like lining one's own pocket instead of someone who's going to use the money to try to save the world, because fuck the world. I'll be dead by that time, and being a sociopathic fuckhead Republican, I don't really care if my progeny all die horribly. Here's a random funny piece of audio I like to refer to as a palate cleanser.
So you are, you play, I mean, you may play this apparent all-American hero. Don't want to spoil the plot, but you're not a conventional not hero. It seems, sure. Um, this is you as an all-American and a big opportunity for you in Hollywood. You must have had to beat off a lot of American men to get this part. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that make you giggle? Did you not have to beat them off? You had to, to get the role. There was, imagine, there was quite a few men up for the role as well. Is there were. Man? There were. Um... <laughs> and compose yourself. I... <laughs> Okay, Dan, I... <laughs> why are there lots of other Americans up for this role? I guess there were. When I sat down with the director, Adam Wingard, it was very apparent that we had a very similar twisted sense of humour and we wanted to Clearly. have a lot of fun with this and make people laugh with it. And, uh, and that's exactly what you've done to me this morning. <laughs> uh, and I hope we can do with the guest, you know. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a riot. The next story. If it's mellow, it's yellow. Or we could actually do something about it. California Governor Jerry Brown on Tuesday called for $10,000 fines for residents and businesses that waste the most water as California cities try to meet mandatory conservation targets during the drought. The recommendation was part of a legislative proposal Brown said he would make to expand enforcement of water restrictions. His announcement came as his administration faces skepticism about his sweeping plan to save water and just hours before regulators were scheduled to release an updated plan assigning each community with a water use reduction target. Last summer, state regulators authorized $500 fines for outdoor water waste, but few cities have levied such high amounts. Many agencies have said they would rather educate customers than penalize them. State water officials toured the High Sierras by helicopter, finding snow at only one of four sides that normally would be covered, said Frank Gerk, chief of snow surveys for the California Department of Water Resources. We'd be flying along at 10,000 feet, where there should be an abundant snowpack for this time of year. It's just dust and dry ground, said Garrick. The state's most recent proposal, released last week, calls for water use to plummet by as much as 36% in some communities. Some cities say the targets are unrealistic and possibly illegal, and some Northern California communities say their long-standing legal rights to water protects them from having to make cuts to help other parched towns. But the problem I find with any of the residential restrictions is 80% of the water used in the state is used by the agricultural sector, which we can't cut. Why? California produces a sizable majority of American fruits, vegetables, and nuts. Kiwis, 79%. Blueberries, 46%. Safflower, 44%. Plum and dried plums, 36%. Walnuts, 32%. Dried beans, 26%. Nectarines, 24%. Aquaculture, 22%. Pecans, 20 Cotton, 52 Hay, 44 Oats, 38 Mixed fruit and nuts, 38 Wool, 37 Honey, 36 Avocados, 36 um, Wholesale milk, 34 Other berries, 31 Olives, 31 Wheat, 29 We need that shit, so... So what's the solution? Well, there are many pieces to the puzzle, and to hear about a sizable piece, you just have to keep listening to our next segment. And now it's time for my science, history, and technology segment I call Cool Shit. Cool. 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 Shit. Cool. Cool. Shit. In the first episode of Culture Dig, during our Dope Box segment... I was talking about the different types of green energy technologies that have been around for a while and should already be in use. Then Jimmer said, Yeah, you sound like this is a really pressing thing. And I'm just saying, I've heard recently, it was like a year ago, a couple years ago, do you remember this? They're talking about we'd pass some sort of 
threshold. Um, I feel like I've read in. Uh, have you guys read Freakonomics, the sequel? Negative. It's, it's super, oh yeah, they have, they have the documentary and the sequel, Super Freakonomics. They talk about basically we're already fucked, and we need to start looking at different avenues, things that seem almost like out of left field, not to reduce carbon emissions. That actually we need to take carbon out of the atmosphere at this point. So they talk about like replicating volcanoes or, or you know giant filters. And now, I will answer. So this time on cool shit, how pre-Columbian Amazonians could save the world. I'm going to tell you a story. A story about black gold. Not Texas tea, not oil, but Amazonian soil. Satellites have shown us that most of the dirt in the Amazon was actually blown across the Atlantic from the Sahara, and is one of the reasons that the soil in the Amazon is so poor. There are three types of soil naturally found in the Amazon. Acrosol, oxisol, and cement, spelled with a P which form a topsoil that is not very useful for growing staple food crops. Topsoil is the upper, outermost layer of soil and is where almost all the plants we and farm animals eat are grown. Topsoil is a fragile thing and is subject to wind and water erosion, depletion of nutrients due to over-farming, and scarier still, it's usually only 2 to 8 inches thick. Think about that. Everyone on Earth is only 2 to 8 inches from starvation and death. And only around 13% of the earth has even those 2 to 8 inches of topsoil necessary to grow food. So what gives? How did millions of people survive off the food they could grow in such shitty soil? Well, the answer is, they didn't. I said that there were three types of soil naturally found in the Amazon. But there's one that's unnaturally found. That's right, pre-Columbian peoples made soil, called terra preta. Terra preta, literally black earth or black land in Portuguese, and owes its name to its very high charcoal content, and was made by adding a mixture of charcoal, bone, and manure to the otherwise relatively infertile Amazonian soil. It is very stable and remains in the soil for thousands of years. Terra preta soils were created by humans between 450 BCE and 950 CE. As we discussed, most topsoil is between 2 and 8 inches deep. Terra Preta can reach depths of six and a half feet deep. Now, I've known about Terra Preta since around 2000, when Terra Preta was its only name. Now, Terra Preta is often referred to, by the scientists that have been studying it, as biochar. What is biochar? Biochar is the base on which Terra Preta is made. Biochar is charcoal produced by heating organic material at high temperatures in limited oxygen. It is a stable product, very rich in carbon, which is used to lock carbon into the soil. Professor Tim Flannery, 2007 Australian of the Year, described biochar as the single most important initiative for humanity's environmental future. It allows us to address food security, the fuel crisis, and climate change, all in one immensely practical manner. What are the benefits of biochar? Sowing biochar into the soil increases the water-holding capacity of the soil, increases crop production up to 300%, increases soil carbon levels, increases soil pH, decreases aluminum toxicity, decreases soil emissions of the greenhouse gases carbon dioxide, methane, which is more than 20 times more powerful than carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas, and nitrous oxide, which is 298 times more powerful than carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas. Biochar also improves soil conditions for earthworm populations, improves fertilizer use efficiency, positively changes the microbiology of the soil, and increases the liquid carbon pathway. Let's examine those last two for a minute. 
the liquid carbon pathway is a symbiotic relationship between mycorrhizal fungi and 90% of all plants that have developed over the last 420 million years. Plants will purposely produce extra carbohydrates, simple plant sugars, then extrude that surplus into the soil to feed the fungi. Mycorrhizal fungi cannot live without a host plant and, in exchange for this sugar, the fungi will mine and transport nutrients and water back to its hosts. For every cubic meter of soil, these fungi will send out as much as 12,000 miles of root-like projections so that they infiltrate every area of the soil. Fungi can access nutrients and water unavailable to the larger plant roots. Nurturing this symbiotic relationship with biochar is essential for long-term climate change mitigation and reversal. One of the most notable results in the shift in weather patterns has been a deluge of rain followed by a drought. Not only does the biochar itself absorb more water, but it can also establish and nurture the growth of mycorrhizal fungi. Mycorrhizal fungi produce glomalin, a sticky substance that cements soil particles together, creating good passageways for air and water infiltration, allowing soils to absorb and retain more water. Then when drought follows and water becomes more tightly held by soil particles, it is the fungi that can send its roots into the small crevices of the soil and extract and accumulate molecules of water and transport it back to the thirsty plants. In a similar way, the fungi transport nutrients back to the plants. Fungi can use its acids to release nutrients from the soil and even rocks, transforming rock minerals into formats now usable by the plants. Likewise, there is a certain nutrient that only bacteria can extract from the soil, and the fungi will exchange sugar for the nutrients the plants need in a complex symbiotic exchange. The study of this relationship has shown that soils under perennial crops that are allowed to fully develop contain more available nutrients than neighboring soils on which agricultural chemicals have been used. A study done at the University of Illinois showed that agricultural chemicals kill or reduce soil microbes, resulting in a net loss of soil carbon. As the mycorrhizal fungi go deeper into the soil to mine nutrients and water for the plants, they deposit more and more carbon in the form of glomalin, a substance that is believed to be quite stable once it is deposited, and is what the term liquid carbon pathway refers to. The more mature the relationship is between the plants and the microbes, the more volume of soil is accessed on behalf of the plants by the microbes, and the bigger and more reliable is the corresponding crop productions. According to research done by Dr. Christine Jones of Australia, pasture soils with healthy liquid carbon pathway associations have been increasing the amount of carbon that they sequester beneath the grasses each year. Currently, some pastures have been sequestering as much as 32 tons of CO2 per hectare per year. This makes biochar even more key to the reversal of climate change because biochar enables this vitally important process. And in areas where all the mycorrhizal fungi have been killed by herbicides, biochar can be inoculated with the mycorrhizal fungi to return them to full productivity. Biochar can sequester carbon in the soil for hundreds to thousands of years. Researchers have estimated that sustainable use of biochar could reduce 12% of current anthropomorphic emissions. Basically, that means, without really trying that hard, and without stepping on too many toes, we can make a 12% dent in the greenhouse gas emissions. But fuck that. Let's put on some hard sole boots and stomp some toes. Mainly the coal oil, and farming industries. Biochar can be used in place of coal. The gases released while making biochar can be made into a synthetic natural gas, aka syngas. Syngas can be turned into bio-oil, which can be used to make transportation fuels such as methanol, hydrogen, biodiesel, and gasoline substitutes. Given the fact that the byproduct of making biochar is syngas, and if your goal is to make syngas through biocharring, the byproduct is biochar, this ends up making the entire process not just carbon neutral, but carbon negative, which is a plus. 
and as stated above, it drastically reduces the need for fertilizer and prevents the fertilizer from being washed away and polluting our water supplies. So what do we use to make biochar? There are two plants that I think are prime subjects. The first is bamboo. Bamboo grows incredibly quickly, which is one of the reasons it is often used to make sustainable, eco-friendly products. Replanting bamboo is fairly easy thanks to its swift growth rate. The spreading root structures allow one rootstock to produce several shoots, permitting horizontal growth. Some species can literally grow 12 inches per day. If you actually had the patience to sit there all day, you would notice the growth by the end of it. Bamboo is a useful plant in addition to its income-producing capabilities. It's a perennial. You don't have to replant it each year. It's an evergreen and therefore photosynthesizes year-round, removing carbon dioxide from the air even in winter, and can even rejuvenate soils depleted by overfarming. The second plant is hemp. No, not the high-as-balls hemp, but industrial. You'd die from smoke inhalation before you got high hemp. Industrial hemp is the number one biomass producer on Earth. It yields 10 tons per acre in approximately four months. It's a woody plant containing 77% cellulose. Wood only has 60% cellulose. And beyond biochar, hemp is refined into products such as hemp seed food, hemp oil, wax, resin, rope, cloth, pulp, paper, fuel, and new potent antibiotics in the fight against antibiotic-resistant staph and MRSA. Why is this shit still illegal? Oh yeah, money and politics. But let's save that story for another episode. Studies so far have shown that the greatest positive effect of biochar applications have been in highly degraded and nutrient-depleted soils. So in conclusion, my plan would be to use every form of green energy-producing technology, again, that's another episode, then biochar poor soils first to grow more bamboo and hemp to create a cycle of biocharring and slowly turn poor soil areas into farmable and grazable land and bring back the buffalo because they are delicious and nutritious. Then I'd use the newly created hemp and bamboo fields to biochar the already productive soils and create super productive soils and keep going until we can give a big fuck off to climate change, fossil fuels, and world hunger. The world could be better than we have ever imagined. We just need to fix what we fucked and keep going with scientific footprints in the sand. And this time, it won't be just a dream. And now, they're not important, but they are funny, weird, entertaining, or at least good enough to make it into the news. It's not, not noteworthy news. Our first story. I don't even count them. An Orlando, Florida artist has vowed to stage burnings and belated burials of the Confederate flag as a part of an exhibition he said would take place in multiple southern cities on Memorial Day. John Sims said, The Confederate flag is a flag of terror. From its use by the Ku Klux Klan in the 20s to the anti-civil rights movement in the 50s and the 60s, the flag is almost too toxic to handle, and for those who do, I am suspicious of their agenda. The project is reportedly slated to take place in all of the former Confederate states, along with cities in Kentucky and Missouri. The exhibit is the latest in a series of works Sims has done involving the flag, saying he was inspired by how often he saw it after moving to Florida. Once again, Florida. 
I'm sensing a pattern. Florida and Texas. Hmm. I definitely know how it feels. Um, my wife and I are both from Michigan, and now we live in Florida. And there's a huge Confederate flag we have to pass every time we go to our friend's house. And every time, we both give it a very vehement middle finger. And I also typically give it a fuck you, fuck you, fuck you mantra. Sims has previously painted the Confederate flag red, black, and green, the colors of the Pan-African or Black Liberation flag. According to Nashville scene, the 2004 exhibit, The Gettysburg Redress, Sims hung a rebel flag from a noose, which he said prompted threats against his life from the Klan. Sims said, One of the burial events will be coordinated by Rollins College history professor Julian Chambliss in Orlando. Chambliss told W4MGTV that he will put the flag into a wooden box and burn it before scattering the ashes in a pond. Uh, next Memorial Day, they should cut it into strips, wipe their asses, burn the filth on filth, then flush it down to where it belongs. That's just my opinion. Chambliss said, When people talk about what the flag represents, they talk about it from a kind of mythology that's been created by people who are very vested in trying to justify the things that they did. A local member of the Sons of the Confederate Veterans, John Adams, said that while he respects Chambliss and Sims' right to political speech, he questions their choice to hold the event on Memorial Day. That's a day for soldiers, said Adams, who had nine relatives who fought for the South. Respect the day and let our boys who gave their lives rest in peace. Well, here are my thoughts. The dead do nothing but rest in peace. And besides, this is a day to honor American soldiers who fought for the United States of America. They always talk about how the Civil War was the most costly war in American lives, but I disagree. The Confederates didn't want to stop being slave-owning pieces of shit. They didn't want to be a part of the United States of America, so I don't count them amongst the American dead. So burn it, toast it, and roast it. Ye motherfucking ha, y'all. And our next story. Happy Mother's Day. Let the interrogation begin. Mother's Day was last Sunday, and in honor of my mother and her quirky sense of humor, I found this video where a bunch of men and women strapped their mothers to lie detectors and bombarded them with uncomfortable questions. I found it hilarious. I'm sure she will too. Let's have a listen. We're just going to go around the midsection. Don't ask anything that's going to like incriminate us. No, they're not bad. permanent. Mom? Yes? Seriously. Have you picked your nose today? Okay. When you answer a question, this machine is going to tell us whether you are lying or speaking the truth. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Mom, have you ever broken the law? Um, yes. Was it smoking related? Yes. Have you ever um, done drugs before? What do you mean by drugs? Have you ever smoked pot? Just a few times. Really? Yeah, just a few times. I did not know that. What drugs have you done? Uh, marijuana, LSD. That's about it. Is that the truth? Oh, no. She's lying. She's lying. She's lying. Liar. I told you, the first time you're going to smoke weed is going to be in our house, and I'm going to be watching you. And Coke. Do you drink, Mom? Yes. Do you get drunk? No. Uh. <laughs> Mom, and I can't look at you when I ask this, but at what age did you lose your virginity? It was um, nearly 21. Uh, 16. Driver's license and then just... Yep. Have you ever sent nude pics before? Never. That's the truth. Not even Polaroids? What do I have to say? A guy took one of me in high school. I was wearing my mother's coyote 
fox long coat and I was nude. I feel like you're before the time of like sending nude pics, but have you ever taken a nude picture? Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, she was almost gonna lie. But... Like, like... <laughs> <laughs> nude pics? Yes. No. That's because she doesn't know how to use the camera on her phone. So have you ever role played before in the bedroom? You're my son. You're not supposed to ask me questions like that. I'm not supposed to ask you any of this. That's why I'm doing it. It's yeah. fun. Have you ever had a one night stand? Yes. How many times? Two or three? Mm, try again, lady. Have you ever had a threesome? No. That's a lie. <laughs> Are you happy with your three kids, the way they look? Yeah. Do we look as good as you when you were young? Or No, nobody looked like me. <laughs> Do you know what a MILF is? A what? A mom I'd like to be. What? Would you consider yourself a mother other people oh, would like to F? The answer is yes. <laughs> it's truth. Have you ever wanted to sleep with one of my friends? There's some counselor at camp that was cute. Have you ever snooped through any of my stuff without asking? Yes, recently. Yes. Did you look at my phone the other day when I left it at lunch? Yes, yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mom, have you ever snooped through my room? Yes. What was the grossest thing you've ever found in my bedroom? Do I have to say it on camera? Yes. yes. Dirty sheets? What kind of dirty? Nighttime emissions. Oh, <laughs> oh this is amazing. Do you wish that we were doctors? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, lying. now okay, I'm offended. No. We're ending no, this. Yeah. Did you want either of us to be a girl? No. Yes. Well, maybe. <laughs> it's going to be the best Mother's Day ever? I think so. Why? Because of this video. I think it's going to be funny. <laughs> Is this the best Mother's Day ever? <laughs> uh, it could be better. Now it's time for Darwin Weeps, stories about dumb people that would make Darwin weep for the future of our species. Trollolo by Edward Hill. Our first two stories happened in Texas. <gasps> Shocker. So I've dubbed them the Texas Two-Step. I've got two stories from Texas View that are unconnected. Or are they? And I can't believe people are so dumb, I have to talk about this story again. A conspiracy theory that the U.S. military is plotting to invade Texas and impose martial law has gained some traction among Republicans. A poll by Public Policy Polling, released on Wednesday, found that 32%, that is not a small percentage, that is almost one-third, 32% of GOP primary voters nationwide believe that the federal government is, in fact, trying to take over Texas. I mean, we, we did it once, maybe we'll do it again. Pointing to briefing documents the military had provided the public to explain the exercise, a group of conspiracy theorists began arguing that it wasn't an exercise at all, but an excuse for the military to deploy troops in order to take over Texas, seize guns, arrest political opponents, and impose martial law. Scary. Yes, because the best way to catch someone completely off guard is to tell them every detail of how you're going to attack them. The conspiracy theory gained more traction after Texas Governor Greg Abbott vowed to send Texas State Guard to monitor the U.S. military movements. And Texas Senator Ted Cruz, who is running for president, thanks for reminding me once again, was criticized for further stoking the fire after he asked the Pentagon to clarify their intentions and said the concern was justified because no one trusts the administration. 
but it didn't appear to give Cruz a boost among those who believe the conspiracy theory. Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, asshole, was leading among the Texas takeover believers, winning 23% of that constituency compared with Ted Cruz's 18%. And this is what it's really about. Fear. Fear is a powerful motivator of conservative minds, which have been proven to have larger amygdalas or fear centers in their brains than their progressive counterparts. Like the force, fear can have a strong influence on the weak-minded. Fear. In terms of conspiracy theories, 32% is a sizable number. That's a big enough number of idiots that it definitely would have made Darwin weep. And here's the second step in the Texas two-step. A shootout amongst rival bikers on Sunday that left 9 dead and 18 wounded and turned a Texas restaurant into a blood-soaked crime scene. Bikers from 5 rival gangs attacked each other at a Twin Peaks sports bar and grill in the central Texas city of Waco. No bystanders or police were injured. When the bikers began shooting, nearly two dozen officers stationed outside moved in. Some of them were firing their weapons. When the shooting ended, bodies were scattered in the restaurant and across two parking lots. Police said about 100 weapons were recovered from the crime scene, which was strewn with shell casings. Waco Police Sergeant Patrick Swanton told a news briefing, Yesterday's events were bad guys on bad guys. When our officers arrived, those bad guys turned their guns on the officers. Bikers were reported to be traveling to the city following the shooting, and police have been threatened. Swanton went on to say, There was a green light put out on all law enforcement, is our understanding from last night. We are aware of that threat. Swanton also said, This is obviously a very large investigation involving numerous agencies and organizations, and we are going to get it right. Alex Jones! You see, what I wonder is, if the situation gets bad enough, will troops be sent in to declare martial law, seize all texts and firearms, and arrest political opponents and dissidents? Then the biker... <coughs> <coughs> Holy shit, how does he talk like that? Ugh. Alex Jones, I definitely do commend you for being able to talk like that. Then, the bikers who were obviously working in concert with the Bilderberg group can remove their flesh masks and proudly expose their reptilian skin and take up their rightful place as the new leaders of Texas. Sovcast is brought to you by Focus Fitness. If you're in the Clearwater, Florida area and you need a massage or a fun workout, think Focus Fitness. Go to focusjfitness.tumblr.com. They offer in-home sports, medical, and relaxation massage, and aerobic focus mitt kickboxing. Remember, that's focus, the letter J, fitness.tumblr.com. Song of Time and Song of Storms by Taylor Davis. And for our last story, even he should be able to see how dumb he looks. Donations have poured in, mostly from self-professed progressives, to help an Obamacare critic receive treatment that could save his eyesight. Louis Lang has never bought health insurance and refused to sign up for the Affordable Care Act because he believed help would be available in an emergency, but he found out the hard way that the law is a bit more complicated. The 49-year-old Lang, a self-employed handyman and Republican, shocker, suffered a series of mini-strokes that left him with bleeding in his eyes and a partially detached retina caused by diabetes and he will likely go blind without surgery, which he cannot afford. Let me just interrupt and s the story and say that single-payer is the only way to go. Do most people even know why we let people die or go bankrupt other than it's just the way it is in this country? To me, letting someone else die isn't too far off from killing them. 
But anyways, back to this sad sack of shit. Lang missed this year's deadline to sign up for Obamacare, and he said he's either too old or too young to get help from most charities. So he set up an online fundraiser to help pay for his medical care. Isn't it always one of the Republican talking points that we don't need universal health care because of charity? Um, Eric Cantor once told a woman who had lost her well-paying job with insurance to seek charity for her dire stomach cancer tumors. Lang has raised more than $7,000 in one day after his story went viral Tuesday, and many contributors urged him to reconsider his politics. Lang said he always prided himself on paying his own medical treatment, but he has already blown through his savings without insurance and faces surgery that could cost up to $30,000. Well, duh, everyone can pay, for, well, almost everyone can either pay for um, a simple doctor's visit or go to a free clinic. It's when the big shit happens that you need insurance. But apparently he didn't think that through. Did I mention single payer? Oh, I did? Sorry. Here are some of the best comments left by his donors. I'm a progressive and a liberal, said Mark Little, who gave $5. I get health insurance from a private provider through healthcare.gov. I use the ACA because I have my own business. Turn off Fox News. Turn off Rush Limbaugh. Stop voting against your own best interests. Stop voting Republican. Here's $5 to help you out. Good luck. Another person wrote, You've tried to float by without paying for insurance for years, despite having diabetes. What you knew could blow up on you, said Joseph Johnson, who contributed $10. Then your party dicked you over by not expanding Medicaid, and you still blame Obama? You are laughably ignorant. Get educated, and get well. I wouldn't wish blindness on anybody. Also, thanks to the liberals, who are the ones saving your eyesight. Not every contributor scolded Lang who admits he smokes and has not always properly managed his diabetes. One person wrote, I'm a leftist on a very limited income who is fighting for universal health care who doesn't want anybody in this country to go without medical care. A basic human right, said Harvey Smith, who gave $5. I hope you would be able to get the help you need. You will be in my thoughts. The most popular commenter on the fundraising site was a bit more sarcastic, however. Ed Gruberman wrote... I want to donate enough to really help you out, but I can't figure out how to get GoFundMe to accept bootstraps. Hilarious. Love it. So here's your choice, America. Single payer. Did I already mention single payer? And bootstraps, motherfucker. To learn about the history of pulling oneself up by your bootstraps, go to sovcast.tumblr.com, S-O-V-C-A-S-T.tumblr.com, and look for my article called Pull Yourself Up by your bootstraps or ponytail and that's it for our show today ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining me hopefully we'll do it again together real soon in the meantime i am jeff i am a seeker of veritas check out my tumblr page at sovcast.tumblr.com that's s-o-v-c-a-s-t dot tumblr dot com thank you Name of the game by the Crystal Method. <laughs> <laughs>